Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Go on your way, carry no bag, no purse, no sandals. Luke chapter 10 verse 3. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny and I'm going to be bringing you homeschool insights and delights from our household, where God dwells in every nook and cranny, especially when you're traveling, as we've been doing. But I'll let the dust settle a bit before I go into details. Each week I cajole and tempt a member of the public to join me for part of my show. I'd ply them with cakes and coffee if we weren't all things digital, but they come and chat with no bribes, and we talk about aspects of family life, which usually relates to homeschooling and always speaks straight to the heart of parents who place the responsibility of child-rearing above their highest joy. My guest this week has been on my show before when she was planning to join her husband abroad. This summer, I managed to record a conversation with Adele Bussinger, who talked to me about her life in Seoul. So don't go anywhere. I'm going to be talking about how I said goodbye to my homeland and odd announcements on the public transport. I'm sipping coffee, refraining from a biscuit, and really wish you could be here, but you're listening. So that's good, too. Let's get started. I've been doing a lot of thinking about how I'm going to handle what feels to me to be the final break from England, although my blue-eyed cowboy assures me it's not. I no longer have parents there. My brother just isn't the same. I watched my parents pull away to carve for themselves a very special life that catered to the two of them while my brother and I dodged and sparred around them in search of cracks and gaps through which to sneak on the off chance we'd be noticed and invited in. What my parents sowed and their reaping was one of the invaluable lessons I learned from them. I'm inspired to sow a very different field. I'd like to embrace the nuclear and extended family once again, make it politically fashionable to have an open house where family and friends can mill and mingle at will without anyone being a burden or burdened. This burden word was a favorite one among the silent generation of my parents' age, and I want to take it to the biblical level. Galatians 6 verses 2 to 5 says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks there's something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. What's the difference between these two words that seem so alike, burden and load? A burden, according to the Bible, is something we don't bring on ourselves, an illness, a job loss, or growing up in a different, difficult situation. A load is the collection of rocks we pick up during our life, the anger at being ill, the depression brought on by unemployment, the bitterness towards a family member because of an unhappy childhood. As Christians, we're charged to help each other with burdens, but not to carry each other's loads. In modern parlance, this would be reworded as don't enable or live in codependency. My parents in their old age and their decreasing independence clung to their burden. They viewed it as a load and weren't willing to share it. And their burden of aging, something not brought upon by themselves, became a load. They picked up the rocks of silence, denial, regret and anger. I pray that as I grow older, I can recognize the difference between a burden and a load and allow the help of carrying in order to fulfill the law of Christ so that to that end, my choice of leaving England to be amongst my family in America again and not stay there, thus running the risk of isolation from my children, was a very deliberate one for me. My Texan and I do need to carve a new life for ourselves, but it doesn't have to be thousands of miles away or insular. And I had a revelation during one of my wonderfully calming walks, those walks that bring me up short several times during the hour to the realization that my mind is empty. I'm not panting with the racing of my thoughts. I'm not having to struggle to keep up with myself. 
I thought if during this next phase of my life my blue-eyed cowboy and I could establish a home where burdens were willingly shared with no judgment, where the nuclear and extended family could thrive, a place where the emphasis wasn't on emptying the nest but rather on providing a shelter, a place to come to refresh, unplug, unburden, find peace and love, a place more eastern than western in its thoughts towards ageing and independence, Dare I say it, a place where multiple generations can live under one roof if they'd like, where there's always someone at home for the children, always familial support and interference and arguments and disagreements and bonding. This is an extravagant dream of mine, but in it are nestled seeds that could be sown for the future. My family philosophy has always been simmering on my stove, and it's grown with the years of parenting and stands firm in our marriage. I feel secure and ready to meet challenges as they arise without question with my cowboy. I want to live in such a way that I don't feel a burden or burdened. In order to fulfill this dream, I have to find a way to say goodbye to my London flat, to sever the final material tie with my parents, which is what it boils down to, really. I do know, as I learned when I was six, that in time I'll find peace and slip into my new life without the physical presence of my parents, looking forward, influenced by what has gone before. One way of saying goodbye to my home across the pond is to look back at the practice I've had. The number of years I was at boarding school have made airports a place of separation. Nothing new. I'm sure I share that emotion with many. But for me, I had to learn to be apart from the only people I fully trusted, to be abandoned to a life separate from my parents at the young age of 12. These were unwelcome goodbyes, and I was helpless. They happened, and my life continued. And I turned my face and moved forward resignedly, knowing I'd survive, but they weren't easy. A welcome goodbye for me was one I bid when I embraced marriage. In this sacrament, I found a partner who would fill the void left by my parents. I said goodbye to my singleness. He became my constant, and whenever I thought with anxiety of moving to a new place or trying a new skill, I knew I had my Texan beside me, and together we'd get through. He gave me the emotional security I'd been missing before I was a teen. The years of adding to the family tree became shared experiences, and I don't remember saying goodbye to the childlessness of the first months of our marriage. I was too wrapped up in motherhood. Unconsciously, too, I bade goodbye to selfish living and disposable income. The sacrifices we made became tools rather than goodbyes, which I stashed in my box for days like today. I shrugged off the coat of corporate management saying goodbye to my career and slipped on the mantle of common or garden mum, except things in the world began to change and being a stay-at-home mum wasn't quite so common more garden. Mums were working, dads were working, families were separating, finances were hurting. I joined the ranks of the rare, those who walked the path of the road less travelled. I made a farewell to me, and because of all the practice that had gone before and my outstanding vision of how I wanted my relationship to look, I'm still a full-time mum inside. It's my children who have gone part-time. Through my own goodbyes, my children also learned that goodbyes were part of a healthy life, to be embraced, wept over and put away. Theatre taught us all that when the final curtain came down, a treasury of feelings and memories remained. And we made a lot of memories that can be replayed in our heads, reminisced about, brought to life through video and tape recordings, read about in journals and poured over in photo albums. Music evokes special meals. Smells bring back places. Phrases have childhoods rushing at us once more. Goodbyes can indeed be turned into treasure. In the big picture, we've said goodbye to the living under the same roof worshipping at the same church, sharing the same friends, but we have McNenny blood cursing through our veins and Skype to keep the connection real. I said goodbye to the parent who laid down the law in order to keep up with her children. I draw on my stiff upper lip, bringing to upbringing to keep a poker face when they tell me a little more than I need to know. I only use the audio feature while Skyping, by the way. I've handed them over to God and allow them to find out about life for themselves now that they can. I no longer feel compelled to micromanage. I commiserate with God because I know my children well and they will try his patience. Saying goodbye to our family home after 29 years would have been daunting if I'd not been able to draw upon the experience of a host of farewells through my life. 
the bricks and mortar that nestled and held our family, the walls and floors that resounded with happy shouts and angry cries, that echoed the lessons learned, the discussions had, the consequences meted out, remain in our individual characteristics, our unique personalities, our tolerance, our ability to walk in another's shoes, our empathy about things we disagree with, our witnessing about preaching. All this is what holds me up as I let go of the stronghold in London. In order to realize my dream of a new home, to continue as a shelter for our family, the strengthening of family bonds, I don't need my long-term home or my London flat. The tools in my box of experience will point me in the right way so that I will fulfill the law of Christ by carrying one another's burdens. Goodbyes could be seen as doors opening, and when we allow the Holy Spirit entrance, who knows what will happen Looks like it's break time already, and before I go, I want to introduce you to my guest whom I recorded in the summer when the time was right for her. When we spoke last February, Adele Bussinger was preparing to join her husband on deployment in Seoul, South Korea. To say she was excited would be an understatement. She's now been there almost six months and talked to me about their adjustment to the culture. Adele is an unschooling military mum who's been married for 13 years, has two creative daughters and a freshly made son, and writes her own blog about education, faith, deployment, moving a lot, and coping alone. Stay tuned to hear about traveling while homeschooling from a different angle. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Mark Lipinski is coming to Toginet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. A live two-hour show Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan Rivers Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo, dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes, quilting and needlework, knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out marklepinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Hello, Adele. Welcome to my show. Hello. Well, Adele, last time we spoke in February, you were preparing to join your husband on his overseas deployment in South Korea, and you'd been apart already for a year, and all of you were excited, to say the least. So tell me, how did your preparations go, and what were your first few days like? Okay. Well, I don't. it doesn't seem like it's been that long ago, <laughs> but we... Um, we kind of had everything already organized when I talked to you last time and we were just waiting on the flight. And, uh, so we drove up to my in-laws house and left our car there, spent some time with the grandparents before we took off. And then, uh, they drove me and the kids to the airport and we were very, very fortunate in that our first flight went straight to Tokyo, Japan. So we did the whole big giant leg of it in one, one flight. Mm. And then all we had was a three, a little three hour jump over to Seoul. Mm -hmm. And so when we got there, my husband met us at the airport and, you know, we had left at like, Oh, I think it was two in the afternoon in, in the States. And when we got to Seoul, it was close to midnight. And so <laughs> we, it was actually nice because we spent a whole evening in the plane. And so the kids kind of got some sleep and everything. So they were kind of 
kind of adjusted, but not quite. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we, and then my husband already had an apartment and already had like, you know, everything already set up here for us. So it was basically, we could just come and drop our bags down and settle down. So it was really nice. So how did you pack for a year? Because I know that you had to do some packing up and you were thinking about selling your house. So tell us, tell us how those logistics worked. Yeah, so we had to, basically, our house had, I put our house on the market about four months before we moved, and so I started, just started slowly going through the house and saying, okay, well, what are, what will we need over there? What will we want when we come back? And what are those things that are not going to store well for an entire you know, year or two years. And so I ended up getting rid of a lot of our um, furniture that was kind of, you know, older and and probably wouldn't store well. And we really slimmed down a lot. I think we got rid of at least half of our stuff. And it felt really freeing, but at the same time, now that I'm over here, I kind of miss some of it. <laughs> but yeah. we, the military packed our stuff into two shipments. So one shipment was like a stuff you'll need when you immediately get there. So that was like my kitchen wares and, you know, like little things that I knew that we would need, uh, bedding and blankets and, t- and towels and that kind of stuff. And then the second shipment was more of our big stuff. But the nice thing was my husband had this, this apartment and apartments completely furnished. Oh. We didn't have to bring a, be- a single big piece of furniture over here. So, and that it's pretty common over here in Korea to have not own furniture, but to just rent a furnished apartment. Mm-hmm. 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 So, basically, our suitcases consisted of all the clothes and everything we need for about a month yeah. of living over here. Mm-hmm. And so, did you ship all the clothes over? Um, I shipped. A lot of our clothes, and then each one of us was allowed one suitcase on the plane. So we brought a lot of suitcases. <laughs> I told my husband, I said, please get us a taxi because we do not want to take the subway with each of us lugging a suitcase. So we did bring a lot of suitcases with us on the plane. Yeah, I know when I came to England, I, we were allowed to bring two suitcases each. So that was a lot of suitcases for three. Well, there were just three of us, but still, that was six, six, six big bags. So I hear you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you arrived, and um, I'm I'm doing a series on you know homeschoolers that live outside America, and a lot of them travel, and uh, yours is slightly different because you were you're able to take probably a whole lot more than some of my backpacking homeschoolers that I talked to, Um, you know, and interesting too that you were able to clean out a lot of stuff. I know how that feels too, so you're able to get rid of some things, but did you manage to sell your house or not? Um, No, it never did sell. The market just was just so slow, and so we ended up, we went, we rented it out this month Mm -hmm. so we haven't rented out for a year so that covers our mortgage so that was a big a big uh blessing to us because we weren't hurting but it was it's nice to know that the mortgage is covered yes absolutely Absolutely. so your um apartment tell me about your apartment there in seoul um well we live in like kind of the inner it's kind of the international district the I guess you'd call it the European area where all the where all the white people live. I guess because there's a lot of um, people that come here from Europe that teach English here, and also all the military, of course, live in this area. So it's it's called Itaewon, and our apartment is in a villa. So you can either live in like a high rise apartment. Or you can live in what's called a villa, which are three, usually three or four stories high, and each story is a complete whole apartment. Oh, right. Okay. So we live on the third floor, and ours is the top floor, and so our our apartment is the entire third floor. Mm. Mm. And it's about, oh, 
it's three bedrooms, two bathrooms, and it's probably about fourteen hundred square feet. So it's not it's not small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And what's you said it came furnished. So what kind of furniture is it? European furniture? Or is it odd furniture? It is. You know. I guess you'd call it American furniture. Okay. It's got you know table and chairs and office desk and a a china hutch and you know like the beds are a little bit different size but they're 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 american beds okay well good uh and you have three children remind us of their ages yes uh my oldest is going to be 13 next month she will not let me forget that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, my middle daughter is eight and then my Son is three. Okay. He just turned. He turned three right after we got here. So, ah, oh. oh, so that was his big birthday gift. Just moving. It, it was, and seeing daddy. <laughs> so, oh, yes, most more important than anything else. And getting getting <laughs> to that, I know the last time we spoke, we talked about you know the roles of the uh, spouse that was left behind and how you know you're in charge and and you 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 know, you sort of have to take charge of everything and then the the deployed spouse returns home and, you know, the dynamic in the family changes and it takes a while to, you know, become adjusted, get adjusted. And here you are, you're doing the opposite. You're going and joining your husband. He's already been there a year and um, you're joining him. So how did how did that work? Was it was there an adjustment? How did how did it work for you? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think my husband and I have a really good, like, we're both really low-key people. <laughs> and so it's really easy for us to just kind of, when one person isn't very informative on something, the other one just kind of takes charge. But when we got over here, you know, like, I think it would have been different if we would have all come at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been harder but my husband had been over here for a year and a half, almost a year and a half. And yeah. so he knew every place to go, all the places to eat, you know, where I needed to go to get my uh, visa stamp and everything. So he kind of he kind of took charge of that right away because, you know, otherwise I was like, oh, where do I where do I go? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, like, as we've gone, it's been an easier transition because I'm actually the one that can speak the language better, and I'm, I have a better sense of direction, <laughs> so <laughs> when we're getting on the subway, I know which direction we need to get on and everything, so, yeah, yeah. yeah it's been an adjustment, I think more of an adjustment to uh, living every day together and, and also just the culture, too, getting yeah. used to living in this culture so yeah yeah um so you weren't able at the very beginning you said it would have been maybe harder if you'd all gone together but you weren't doing any of the discovering together because one of you already knew you know had already been there and sussed out this and sussed out that so you could just kind of follow him but sometimes it's sometimes it's exciting and fun to learn that stuff together and you can when you leave the city right which you you're planning on doing are you planning yes. on taking some trips, yeah, outside the city? Yeah, and we've been, you know, we've been, like, every weekend or every time my husband has some time off, we've been going out in Seoul. It's, it's such a huge city. There's literally, you could spend years here and never see any everything. So we've just been going out and finding these amazing family activities, and every time we go out, we're having to figure out, you know, a bus schedule or, you know, something having to do with, you know, living. <laughs> and and also now that I'm here during the day, you know, I've had to deal with the renters and and the neighbors and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, yeah it's definitely still still learning things. Yeah. So um the the other people in your villa, are they um military? Um Let's see. It's such a fast turnaround here because most people are only here for a year or so. But right now there's, yeah, there's a soldier that lives on both floors, are both American soldiers. But at one time there was a Korean family that lived downstairs. Okay, okay, okay. 
And the children, how did they, are they just taking it in their stride? Oh, this is just another place. I'm with mum and dad, so we're fine. <laughs> um, I think it was harder for my oldest daughter because she, back home, she had a youth group and she had, you know, friends and we had homeschool group and, you know, she's at that age where those things are important, but the younger two are, are more like, you know, they're more trusting. They're like, we'll go anywhere with you. (laughs) They'd never been, I mean, we lived in, we lived in cities before, but they, we had never lived in a city where you had a subway and, uh, it was actually detrimental to own a car. (laughs) And so they, you know, my, my middle daughter, you know, thinks it's absolutely fabulous. Mm -hmm. She just loves everything we do. Great. Great. And you were saying something about the, the public transport. Is it fantastic? It is. It, I've never been on a subway before, so I can't compare it to like New York or anywhere else, but it's always clean. It's always on time and it's always, you know, like it can get anywhere that we've needed to go. The subway went Mm -hmm. basically within five blocks of where we needed to go. So, and you, you have, you have a, a card, you said something about a transit car that you can just keep topped up. Yeah. Yeah. My, my husband, got tired of walking to work in the rain. <laughs> and so he bought it, you know, they call them, they call them hoopties or, you know, like just a, a car that's been passed from soldier to soldier mm-hmm. that has to last us a year. Oh, okay. So you're talking about a car. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And when did you get that? Um, let's see. It was probably about a month ago that yeah. we finally got it. Yeah. Good, good. So we can actually go play. But, you know, we only use it to go on the military post and back. Mm-hmm. Anywhere else we go together as a family, it's cheaper to use the subway. Yeah, yeah. And can you use the bus as well? Have you, have you sussed the buses? I, I've, we've used, the kids and I have used the bus maybe twice. It's hard because all of the directions are in Korean and all of the place names are in Korean. So I can't tell. I can read Korean, but I can't tell whether I'm reading a place name or I'm reading instructions. Yeah. So I don't use the bus as much yeah. as the subway. Yeah. And do many people speak English? Surprisingly, well, not as many people speak English as surprisingly a lot of the signs and and instructions are in English. Oh, really? Um, But, yeah, people do speak English around here. Um, Once you get further out into the, like, the the outer areas of Seoul, less and less people speak English. But we've been very surprised in some places we've been, and and the person in the store speaks perfect English. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it sounds as though you've been, um, you know, you go shopping not just on the base but you go um, shopping to your little local shops do you have many around where you actually live can you walk there easily yes we live um on the top of the hill of basically the main shopping area for all the foreigners and there's you know there's lots of like name brand like nike and that kind of stuff but um our area is known for the international restaurants. Uh-huh. There's tons of international restaurants, and that's just right down the street from our house. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, up, let's see, up the road a little bit, the other way is a little, a nice little area of town that is just basically traditional Korean foods mm-hmm. and markets and all kinds of stuff that you can find up that way. So, yeah, we have quite a bit in within walking distance. Okay. Well, Adele, we're going to have to go on a very short break now, but when we come back, I'm going to talk to you more about the culture and uh, perhaps what your dinner table looks like when you're sitting down to eat. So we'll be back in just a moment. Okay. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? 
right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Okay, we're back and I'm with Adele Bussinger and she is talking to me from Seoul, South Korea. And um, Adele, I want to ask you, okay, food obviously is going to be different, but it sounds as though you live in a pretty European area, so you could probably go to restaurants and find the kinds of food that you're used to. But I know that you're probably, as an unschooler, a person who really doesn't want to, you know, sort of, you're in a foreign country, you don't want to be with Americans and eat American food, you want to be there with the people. So tell me about that. Yeah, well, one of the things that um, we we purposed to do when we came here, you know, like, I guess, learning adventure would be to be as immersed in the Korean culture as we could be, um, because we, I didn't want to live on post with a bunch of other American soldiers and you know, pretty much hang out with Americans the whole year here. So we have tried to incorporate Korean culture and food into as much as possible of our daily lives. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not always when we cook supper because it's faster and easier to cook what you know. <laughs> but, you know, like little things like a um, couple of the dishes I've made, you know, I've, I've made um, bulgogi which is like a beef marinated in ginger and spices, and then you barbecue it and serve it over rice. Um, there's a, well, my, I have, I have a little bit of an obsession with a Korean food called kimbap and it's a rice. It looks like sushi, but don't call it sushi because they'll get mad. It's not sushi at all. <laughs> it's, it's, it's rice rolled up in a seaweed wrap, and cut like sushi, but it has, um, like, the, it's it's called ham, but it's really fake, like, spam. Yeah. And radish, and sometimes cheese, and vegetables in it. And it tastes like a ham and cheese sandwich. Oh, really? <laughs> with rice. It's really good, and um, it's usually about, you know, like, less than $2 for a roll. So I usually pick that up and bring it home and have kimbap. Um, uh, the, the, like, I don't know, the unofficial food of Korea is, of course, kimchi, which is this, uh, it's like, I would say it's like sauerkraut where it's Uh, fermented cabbage, but it's spicy. Uh Um, but they have all kinds of different kimchi. They have cucumber kimchi and, uh, non-spicy, like, uh, white kimchi and all, all these different kinds of kimchi and i haven't even tried all the kinds but um and and how it, what do you eat it on the side as a as a like a i don't know a relish or a yeah yeah, yeah. they whenever you go to the korean restaurant and you sit down they always bring banchan which is all your side dishes that you get with anything you order and kimchi and there's usually like a uh pickled radish uh the, the big white radishes and then there's usually like a uh a little salad and different different things that you pick up and eat with your meat that you order. Mm-hmm. And so, um, your locals are you? How tapped in are you? Are you finding many locals in your area? I know you said it's a, a European area. Does that suggest to me maybe expats or maybe transitionary people? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of. Uh, like just graduated college students that come here for to teach English, mm-hmm. um, it, that's a huge 
thing over here. The Korean schools hire people that to teach English in their in their schools. Um, there's a lot of yeah expats people working here on contract. There's a lot of uh, there's a big um, community of of Filipinos here mm-hmm. that are they a lot of them do like live in nanny kind of work. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those we meet at the parks, but there's also, you know, on our main street, there's also, you know, all the traditional shops and everything. There's the Korean owners, and we've gotten to know a couple of the owners there on our street, uh-huh. and uh, that's been nice to yeah. get to know them. Yeah, and what what is the main religion there? Oh, I think, let's see, I know that Christianity is huge. Yeah. Um, I think Korean, other than Americans, Koreans send out the most missionaries of all. Really? To other countries. Uh-huh. Um, and usually it's uh, China and North Korea. But I think, um, I, th- I'm, I have to do my research, but I'm pretty sure that it's like a, a sect of Buddhism mm-hmm. is the next biggest religion. And you know, there's always like the the kind of tr- traditional Korean spiritism. You know, that's not really connected to anything, but it's yeah. more like a folklore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is interesting, interesting to learn about. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there's lots of churches and and huge mega churches. We actually went to a couple of them, and then the first church that we went to in like just south of Yongsan was this huge mega church for English speaking people and it had one of the major Steve Green who's a major like Christian singer and personality in America and he happened to be there that Sunday and I was like this is strange but (laughs) (laughs) yeah not very not very not much local blood there yeah 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 um so culturally have you have you come across anything that was so different either either behaviors you know among the people or um some of their traditions that they keep yeah yeah um i guess i could do a whole show on that <laughs> but yeah uh, the culture is you know like it's so different from the american mindset of you know, just walking on the street, you'll see men holding hands, mm-hmm. you know, and women holding hands. But men and women that are, you know, romantically related don't touch. Right. You know, and it, it there's a there's a sense of honor and a sense of you know you want to keep your honor and your character, and so it's very much like everyone is listens to their elders and wants to help you if you're you know like I've been in the subway and the first time I tried to take the stroller on the subway I happened to go to one of the only subway stations in Seoul that doesn't have elevators and I had to go up four flights of stairs with the stroller and two I, I mean I, I wouldn't even say they were, they were out of high school two young men stopped what they were doing where they were going and helped me carry the stroller and my son up these flights of stairs and I've had that happen a lot you know like older women will stop and help me with my children walking you know they'll just want to hold their hold the kids hands and because it's you know they're they're their elders and you call everyone grandma (laughs) if they're older you know or you call everyone by their formal they they call them ajushis and ajamas, you know, their their formal name mm-hmm. references. So, it, yeah, there's just a huge difference in how people treat one another here compared to America, and, and the respect for the older people. Yes, yeah. yes, <laughs> we. It was it was difficult for a couple of times. There's a there's usually older Korean men that run the, like that that are like groundskeepers for the apartment complexes and so they clean the garage and they take out the they make sure the trash is out on the street on the right day and everything and we had kind of a miscommunication with our with our uh 
Ajishi and he doesn't speak any English and we and I barely spoke Korean when I got here so it was kind of interesting how um he demanded respect from us and yet we didn't know what he was talking about and he <laughs> he was kind of ordering us around but we got it all figured out yeah 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 so well that sounds that 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 sounds you know really interesting and that is very different isn't it i suppose the further east you go the more of that kind of um, respect and and honor you meet, yeah. Um, and also, you said it felt safe. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's crime that goes on here, uh, but you don't you don't feel like walking at night. You know, you don't. There's. I never feel a point where I'm unsafe. There was a couple times. In our neighborhood, you know, there's some there's some groups of people that kind of, you know, they walk around and it, you kind of wonder what they're up to. But I would say that their 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 sense of honor also brings a sense of safety. You know, they they will call you out in the street for littering. You know, yeah, <laughs> let yeah. alone doing anything else illegal. And so it, it's very. Um, and there's people everywhere all the time. It's this, literally the city that never sleeps. Yeah. It gets louder at night than it is at noon. Mm-hmm. Usually shops don't open till 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and they don't close till about 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's definitely a culture where anything you do is seen yeah. by the public. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, you know, with the people helping you everywhere, it just feels like you would always have – this safety. So before you went to South Korea, there, there were a lot of people, your friends, um, who said, gosh, why would you want to go there? It's so dangerous. But I think a lot of Americans tend to be frightened anyway of abroad, period. Um, but Korea has such a bad rap because of North Korea. And I suppose people get confused. They kind of you know, mix the two together and think, well, if it's really bad in one place, it's definitely got to be really bad in, in right next door because you're just a, what, a border away. So tell, yeah. tell us about that. I mean, how, how did you get over that? Did you listen to them or did you just do your own research? You spoke to your husband, obviously. He, had, he knew. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think, Amer- well, I think people in general are afraid of anything different. Yeah. You know, like going to Europe is kind of like going to another part of America. That sounds bad, but you know, there's going to be similar things in the culture and and Asia is so much different as far as culture and um history that I think people are afraid of that. But yeah, we had a lot of people tell us, "Oh, there's nothing to do in Korea except, you know, drink." Yeah. <laughs> and I guess that's true if that's all you come over here looking for. Yeah. But, you know, my husband was here and he was saying, you know, it's gorgeous over here and there's, you know, absolutely per- he he loved the the transit the transit system and the um just the 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 ability to to see another part of the country and still be kind of like in the city. Yeah, yeah. Not being a completely rural. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I watched several YouTube videos. There's a couple of people on YouTube that do kind of like a, they're teachers over here and they do videos showing all the cool things that, to do here in Korea. And so I watched a lot of those and saw how modern it was and how interesting everything was. And I thought, that's some place that I would want to go with yeah. my kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And can you, what, are you planning on getting out into the country? Have you been out into the countryside? Um, we took the, well, we took the military bus down to Osan, mm-hmm. which is um, about 40 minutes south of of the outskirts of Seoul. It's another military base. My husband was down there for some classes and we just happened to go down there and visit him that weekend of Mother's Day. And so, I mean, but it was still pretty much the city. Like, So we are planning, my husband has to go out in the field. So this fall, we're planning a uh, kind of a countryside 
vacation, I guess you would call it. I, f- I feel like this whole year is a vacation. It's going but- to be a vacation, yeah. That's right. <laughs> I want to go out and see some of the more rural areas out in in Korea and see some of the the different um, different scenery, the beach and different other places. So yeah, I was going to say, have you been to the beach yet? How far away no. is it from the sea? Well, actually, we flew in to um, Incheon Airport, which is an island, but. We never really have been out there to see the beach, mm-hmm. and so that's something that I want to do is go see the beach. Everyone says to go to Jeju Island, but that's clear to the south, and so that might be have to be something that we do yeah. on a long vacation. But yeah. yeah. So what season? Is the season different? You know, it's surprisingly a lot like um, – I wouldn't say a lot like Kansas, but – they have right now is their rainy season um so it's usually about 80 degrees with 90 percent humidity <laughs> uh, do, you have, just, do you have air conditioning in your in your place yes oh, we okay. have okay. um portable ones okay so okay. but yeah it's it gets humid and and it rain it just it's sunny today and yesterday it was sunny but the three weeks before it rained every day and so it reminded me a lot of Washington State, yeah, yeah. but they have a fall, and then they all have a winter with snow, and then they'll have a. When we got there in February, it was you know springtime, mm-hmm. and so the flowers were blooming, and they have tulips and everything, and so it it has very similar seasons to like Kansas and oh, really? most of the United States. Okay, so you're in the summer now. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I didn't. I, I just had to ask because I know my listeners will want to know. Um, well, you know, it's something that I, oh, sorry, uh, I thought that we would have like, I didn't know there was snow in Korea. Like, <laughs> I didn't know that. And I, and when Jay said, oh, it snowed and you could barely get anywhere, I was like, it snows in Korea? Yeah, yeah. yeah that was different for me. Yeah, yeah. So you talked about um, some, you didn't want to be, you know, the American family that just stayed with Americans and just lived on the base. Are there are there people that just do that? <laughs> yes, I, I'm. Yeah. I'm guessing from the the commander Jay's commander that um, kind of gave a little speech when we got here, um, and his sergeant major too was like, "Don't be one of those people," mm-hmm. and he was referring to the people that only they only they sit in their barracks room and they only go out to party or. You know, and they don't really go out and see anything of Korea the whole year they're here. So they could be anywhere. They're just on a base. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you're an unschooler, and for an unschooler, there is no difference between living and learning. And so, you know, I watch your I watch your um, site, your blogs, and you do some fantastic stuff with school. What does just very briefly? How are you keeping up with the with the unschooling? I know it looks very good on paper but in reality you know is it too distracting oh come on let's just get out let's just just let's just live yeah well you know like the last three weeks we weren't able to go anywhere because it rained (laughs) so you know there's there's times when we're stuck in the house and my kids want well my kids usually want to play video games but they eventually get bored and all they want to do is just they want something to do and so i give them you know activities and interests and they they're really good about following what they're passionate about we we have a library on post and so we're able to go get library books every couple weeks and i just i just stack library books up and drag them home and they pour through them within a week yeah. And, you know, and we consider our time here in Korea as like a Korean culture and social studies class because who else gets to experience that, you know, and and the kids are also taking Korean lessons online and so learn the language a little bit and be able to communicate. And so, yeah, I consider that, you know hands-on thrust into the situation learning <laughs> yes well i loved the way that you were you listed out the different things and you gave each uh, credit because you're, you're getting ready for what junior high 
with your yes. oldest daughter. And I did the same thing because we did so much stuff as a family, volunteering, theater, um, you know, um, hospital work and all that kind of stuff. And I just worked it out. I went, oh, gosh, they've done like hundreds of hours. That surely has to be 1.5 credits for the year or whatever, you know, in, in yeah. that particular subject. And it's just all part of, you know, experimenting in the kitchen and cooking and the food and all of that. You know, it's just, just, uh, yeah, yeah. Nobody else is going to experience that, you know. There are a lot yeah. of people in the world who will never get to do what your children are doing for this year. So. Yeah. Well, and even if you think about, like, in college, you know, you have those, those, semester uh aways where they do like six months where you get to live in another country but that's all like planned and and forced kind of and so this is a how cool that look on a on a transcript that's right that's right right. and is there a chance that you might be there longer than a year um we can extend um we can extend up to i think up to three years Mm -hmm. um but right now you know like I think we're ready to go. I'm not now, but after this year, I think we're going to go back to the States because I miss Kansas kind of. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but (laughs) (laughs) I love Seoul and I love Korea. And someone asked me this weekend at a barbecue, you know, like, would you, do you, would you live here? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, like if I had the money and the resources, probably, but. Without the military, that'd be really hard. Yeah. It's expensive here. Is it? Yeah. It, the housing is expensive and like getting around and uh, food and stuff is not that expensive. Korean food is, if you eat traditional food, is really kind of cheap and very healthy. But um, the living expenses, uh, our rent is outrageous. You don't want to know how much we really? pay for rent. Really? Yeah. Gosh, that's how funny. Yeah. Because usually when, with my, my other homeschool travelers, when they get to that part of the world, they know it's going to be a lot less expensive than Europe. But I guess there are always little areas that aren't. So it yeah, must be a yeah. highly sought after area to live then. They must be able to get that rent if they're charging it, mustn't they? Yes, yes. Yeah. It's hard to find apartments here. Like there was a person that just moved out across the street and it's already filled already within a week it's yeah and i think korea is one of the fastest growing nations right now as far as like technology and and um commerce they're just exploding well adele it has been an absolute delight talking to you i've been talking to adele bussinger unschooling mom of three who joined her husband recently on who's on deployment in seoul south korea you can find adele at www.thesetemporarytents and i will have a link over on my radio page where she writes about south korea her life her faith and her unschooling um, you have a great weekend and enjoy the rest of your time in Seoul. Just make the absolute most of it. How wonderful. Thank you. We will. Right. <laughs> We're trying. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Hi everybody, this is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear the latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. 
Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's the Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. The verse I opened with, Jesus telling his disciples, go on your way, carry no bag, no purse, no sandals, Luke 10 verse 3, makes me laugh each time I read it, especially when I'm getting ready to travel. And as you've just heard from Adele, she took a lot with her and had even more shipped later. I, for one, need a dedicated case, a small one, to go inside the cabin to pack all my hardware in, which I need these days in order to remain connected with this show, the people I encourage, and my family. I wish I could just tote my phone. Wouldn't that be handy to have not only photos and music, but files, too? But I can't, and my computer is light anyway and slender, and I no longer need voltage converters in order to use my electronics, so the bag isn't that heavy. However... My cowboy and I have our internet phone modem, charging cords, plugs, some converters, hairdryer, razor, not to mention the paper we carry in case we're away during tax season. And that's all before I even start in on my clothes and toiletries, which I have down to a bare minimum, I think. A couple of pairs of shoes, you know, the necessities. When we travel to England, winter gear is a must at any time, and because we spend so much of our outdoor moments wrapped up in jackets and scarves and hats... The changes need to be rung where outwear goes, outerwear, and so the coats run in two in the case and one on my back. Jesus says, take nothing, no bag, no purse, no sandals. Granted, that was before all this global connection, but the verse can apply to us now. I had a friend who was on a six-week trip to South America, and halfway through, she had all her baggage stolen from her hotel room while she was on a two-day backpacking hike. Instead of lamenting, and she could have had a serious lament because her video camera was among the items she hadn't taken with her because she was worried it may get stolen. She told me, you know, I was able to fulfill my dream of traveling with only a backpack, and it felt wonderful. I'm leaving a lot of my baggage behind because it's not worth the shipping cost. I mean, I can replace it all easily. My Texan, along with God, are right. In a few months, I'll have forgotten what I left. I may not be able to live out this verse literally, but I'm able to view it as a life lesson to let go of all the little loads of life I pick up along the way, like the conkers I have to gather and bring home from a walk. They're so shiny and too luscious to ignore. I must feel their weight against my legs on my, in my pockets. I don't need them. I like to look at them. But I don't plan on taking them with me. Besides, they're seeds and I can't. What else don't I need on my journey? No bag, no shoes, no purse. But there's no stopping me from carrying the memories as long as they don't hold me back. I'm going to miss everything anyone can possibly miss about England, at least for a month or two. I enjoy the public transportation, not having to worry about falling asleep at the wheel late at night on the way home from the theatre. Instead, I have to be vigilant about not dozing through our train stop. No danger of that. No danger of that when you have a chatty husband next to you or people talking on their phones beside you. And I am going to miss a lot about England. But, hey, I've come to the end of my time, so I'm going to have to go. And uh, I'm off to East Texas to spend some time with family. So think of me unpacking yet again. Three days in a hotel is about all I can handle. I hope you'll be back same time, same place next week to hear more adventures now that I'm safely home on the other side. I'm looking forward to High Kicking Dort's return too in a couple of days. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hard-working staff at Toginet Radio, my guest this week, Adele Bussinger, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Rosemary, Kathleen, Jane, Esme, Millicent, Jacob, Thomas, Olivia, and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. Did I say Tina? Stay tuned to Toginet all the time and catch lots of great shows to glide you through your day. Take care and be safe. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Doop, doop, doop. Doop,
Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginet. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children ages 24 to 18 who are willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.